0: On psychology but on the mindset and I mean everything is a choice so if, if you know every situation you come up and you've got a choice you can either go well I'm the victim here or I can fight this so focus on yourself and play your own game don't be worried about all the other things that could happen uh, or do happen you just go back to your own process and if you can just change how you think about it it, it changes how you feel about it and if you, change it, if you change how you feel just you get energy from that How do people at the
1: top of the game do what they do? And what can young players learn from them to help them on their own journey and help them achieve their dreams in the game? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Welcome to today's episode of the Offfield Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Brian Moillette, former Irish age-grade international, now mindset and performance coach. And if you have not done so, hit that subscribe button. that you never miss another podcast episode and if you're out there and you love this podcast please do me a favor and leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening that really helps because the more positive ratings and reviews we get the more the different platforms say hey this podcast is helping people people are enjoying it maybe we should show to people who have never heard of it before and that way the podcast grows organically. Also, you can send the podcast on to some friends and I would greatly appreciate that. My guest today, Nigel Carlin, is the Glasgow Warriors attack coach. He coached the under-20s in the past and spent 13 years as the Connacht Academy manager, where I was fortunate to play under him. In the pod, Nigel talks about his time as a professional player and why it wasn't for him. Playing under Warren Gatland and talks about what he thinks are key ingredients for building team culture. In the pod, you'll also hear about issues the Glasgow Warriors are having currently with mindset. Nigel talks about how you grow as a coach. He gives his opinions on calling people out and challenging them. He talks about coaching philosophy, lots more. And also, this week, Connacht head coach Andy Friend announced he's leaving. And Nigel talks about challenges that he would like down the line. Most players know that you need to be both physically and mentally strong to make the step up in level and achieve your dreams in the game. But a big problem that I found as a player myself and have found coaching is that most players get gym programs to get stronger physically, but they don't get anything to get stronger mentally, even though they know it's hugely important that's why i wrote my new book the book on how you become a pro rugby player it's like a gym program for your mind it solves that problem it'll give you tools to show you how you feel hugely confident on the field how you train your mind to instantly move on whenever you make a mistake in games and it's a roadmap for how you become a professional player and get paid to play the forward is by leinster and ireland player robbie henshaw and There are strategies throughout that the best players in the world use. You will love it if you're an ambitious player. You can get it now on Amazon and the link is here in the show notes. So here's episode number 69 with Nigel Carlin. Dealing with money can be very stressful and especially with everything that's happening in the world right now and stock markets crashing. If you're not an expert, it can be difficult to know what to do. Sparks Wealth is an Irish financial planner and they are experts when it comes to dealing with finances and helping guide you on what's best for your situation. You can book a free call with Will now at Sparks Wealth on their website, sparkswealth.ie. Recently, a family member of mine did just that and was so happy they did so. They said Will guided them through everything in a simple, easy to understand way, no jargon. And it was a brilliant experience. So that's Sparkswealth.ie. So keen to chat about coaching, but chat to me about when you were playing, growing up, and how you got involved with Connacht.
0: Um, it's probably circumstantially, Brian. To be fair, um, when I finished playing, um, I I well, I I played firstly during the. First the amateur, and then it was what we call sham amateur era. And the only reason I know it was called sham amateur, I did a thesis when I was in college on Irish rugby in the professional era, or what I thought it was going to be. So uh, it, it was kind of like a crystal ball trying to look into the future and see which way things were going to go. And, um, and that was quite interesting. But I, I played maybe four years, kind of that pro, semi-pro, uh, with Connor. that was back in Eddie O'Sullivan was coaching at the time, then Warren Gatland took over. Um I was still in college at the time. I was lucky I was I was still doing my degree. So um I was still able to do both rugby and and study at the same time. Um but I, I don't think professional rugby maybe wasn't quite for me. It's not for me. It it, it requires just extreme discipline. Um if you know to have structures in place and again to have solid routines and, and make sure that you've got really good habits. Um for me, after about four years of it, I kind of knew look at this is not really for me. I, I wasn't the fast, I was playing on the wing a little bit at center, but I wasn't the fastest. I couldn't kick. Um, I wasn't a bad defender, but I knew I wasn't going to be like an international rugby player. So at some stage I kind of felt, well, you know, where is this gonna go? So I said, OK, I think when I was looking at wh- where's the the next path, the next um, opportunity in my life, I thought I was going to be a web designer or some sort of an Internet geek. So I went back, um, I already had my degree in marketing, but I went back and did a higher diploma in systems analysis and uh, web design and all that kind of thing. And it was around 99, 2000 when things were starting to to grow and around the web. But yeah. Um, so I did that. I finished that course and I finished with Connacht the same year and I headed off to Australia. Um, I thought, look, I'm going to start the new life in in IT down there. And I got into a couple of little roles and I was within a, a hair's breadth of being offered a, a, a visa to stay there for three years. But in the end, it fell through. But before I left, when I finished playing, I was offered a role as a, a rugby development officer with Connacht. And I said, I was... Going down a new route, I thought it was going to be a an internet geek. So I, it wasn't really something that I thought. Look, I'm going to go, go this way. So I continued on on our journey. Um, uh, and it happened then when when it, when the Australia thing fell through. Uh, I ended up coming back to go, and the same job popped up again. Uh, And when it did, I kind of, you know, know, and and you don't normally get a second bite of the cherry like that. So I said, you know what, I'll give this a crack and see how it goes. In the meantime, the internet stuff wasn't really gone and it wasn't really taken off. So I said, I'll give this rugby thing a a crack. And to be honest, that was in 2002. We did four or five years of that, set up the Academy. did that for 13 years, um, coached Ireland age grade sides in the meantime. Um Got an opportunity to coach professionally with the Connacht teams. Did that for four years, and uh, and that's taken me now to Glasgow Warriors. So I'm very fortunate in the the road I've I've travelled. It's it's been very fortunate to me. So I, I'm very blessed for it.
1: That's interesting. I didn't know that. And so when you were say 16-17, like did did you want to be a rugby player? Like did you want to did you want it then to be playing with conic. I'm sure there might have been talk about professionalism and you're you're doing that. But is that something you're like eager to get into or no?
0: Um you see, professional rugby, it, it, it was only I I was kind of I, I actually ended up was one of the first few guys in Ireland that I was in the first round of contracts uh in Irish rugby. Um and again, it was it was pittance, it was small money, but we were getting paid for something that we were doing already for free. Um, and we were doing it because we just loved it. We just loved playing rugby, and we loved again playing representative rugby with Connor And you get, you know, we, we at the time you still had your interpros, but I mean, even mm-hmm. in the interpros, I mean, you would have only had a couple of hundred. You got more people at a club game than you would have had at the interpro. So, like a Leinster monster game might have attracted four hundred people, whereas um, young monsters versus Gary Owen, you could have twelve thousand at those games back in back in the nineties um so it wasn't really an ambition to become a, a rugby player when when i was a teenager become a professional rugby player because it didn't actually exist um because it was an aspiration to be an international rugby player and to get exposure and that side of things but um no it's something that's just evolved really and and i said i was just very fortunate to be part of that era when 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 it when it started to change i mean it's changed so much since then obviously it's evolved unbelievably since I mean it, it, people didn't really have a clue they were trying to you know just copy other sports at the time so it's it's really evolved into a real a real beast now you know even compared to other professional sports.
1: Yeah and what was it I've chatted some other people kind of around your ear will say but what was it like saying comic when people were trying to figure out what professionalism meant?
0: Uh, yeah yeah the, 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 I think this is some of the mistakes that people make people thought professional meant you're just getting paid to do the job that you're going to do but actually being professional is not what you do it's actually what you are and that's what that's where so many people fall down like professional being professional is it's a discipline it's you know it's a structure it's a routine it's it's about daily habits and building unbelievable habits to be the best that you can be whereas when it turned professional at the start, people didn't really know, didn't high performance weren't even words that people spoke about and what is high performance and, um, and again, fighting for inches and, you know, 1% gains, we, we were just, you know, I mean, and the advice that we we're given and the coaches there at the time, they were just doing kind of what they'd done the previous year and getting as much input from all different areas as they could, but people didn't really know. Um, because it was so new. And they were looking across at, at football in England, but it didn't really transfer because that was so different. You're looking at it, other sports, probably the closest that we had was rugby league. So there ended up being a, a massive kind of influx of rugby league coaches, particularly in the defensive side of the game. Um, and as such that you know that's that was the influence in Ireland defensively, more so um at the start than 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 attack. But um yeah, that, that was probably as close, you know, as a game to you know that they were trying to emulate at uh, the time, so they were really trying to feel their way through it. So I mean, some of the stuff that we used to be doing was was bonkers, but um, I mean, I, there was a good story from one of the players. and This is a true story. One of the players that we were playing with at the time, and this was during the early professional um days. There was there was a prop who played with Connacht, and um, this guy was he was only doing rugby part time but he was actually a teacher of maths and applied maths and physics. So he's actually very intelligent, but again, trying to feel his way around, you know, what's high performance. And um, he had asked John Connolly, the Australian rugby coach, when he visited his club, he said, you know, he said, John, I said, is there anything that I could do to really boost my energy levels after uh, tough games and, and, and really tough training sessions? And John kind of just said, he said, "Uh, yeah, mate. And uh, and my worst he actually said, yeah, mate. He said, "Uh, I reckon if you eat four to five bananas after a a game, I think that will really boost your levels. He said, "Uh, let me know if you get on next week. So the following week he goes back and he goes, "Um, right. He said to the the player, he goes, "Uh, hey, mate. He said, how would you get on with the bananas? And he goes, oh, John, he said, I don't know how you how how you could eat 45, I only managed 27, you know so Jesus. and that's, that's, that's a true story like that <laughs> that, that happened I mean, what I said, people didn't really know I mean, nutrition wasn't something that was big on people's radars and, you know S&C was, they were making it up as they were gone, I remember like Warren, Warren Gatland would be in the gym and he'd just be pressing down on the bar to, until you failed, you know, so but it, it was good times. It was it was it was great times. As I said it was we were feeling our way through. We didn't know any different. So uh, I definitely didn't eat forty five bananas. But um, <laughs> but it's it definitely a good story from the era. That's
1: gas. And what was it then when you like you said you kind of walked away? Like what was
0: it that um that wasn't for you? Um, for me, I think it's I wasn't I didn't have the habits that were required to make it at the, at the top level. I didn't have the routine, the discipline. And again, at the time, I mean, I was just finished college and, you know, the, the, we had a big crew of guys and, you know, we probably enjoyed the social side of things and being together and God, we can't believe we're actually getting paid to do this kind of thing. And, um, and there, it actually worked for a, a period, particularly when Warren was with us, Warren Gatlin, and in one of them first couple of years that, he encouraged us to go out socially as well and really kind of, you know, um, build kind of tight bonds off the field. Uh, and, and certainly that in his first year, it actually transferred into a lot of um, success on the field as well. We were quite a tight group. But uh, again, it's just the discipline of diet and uh you know, in the gym and rest and having to go home after the gym and, and, and try and rest. And I wasn't good for that. I wanted to be always gone. So I, my body didn't repair as well. And then injuries kind of kicked in, um, you know, and and, and really minding yourself and uh, and trying to get the best out of yourself. I knew I wasn't the fastest, you know, and I probably got as maxed as much out in, in the time that I was there. But I just felt, look, it's not quite for me. I, I feel I'm not going to get the most out of myself in this sport um, I can get the most out of what what I can for the time that I'm in it but I knew it wasn't going to be you know I wasn't going to hit the, the, the lofty heights of, of, of international rugby and and have a you know a, a five year career playing international rugby that wasn't going to happen for me I wasn't that type of player so I kind of wrote, okay try and be a bit more realistic and start to look at what's, what's the alternative life what else could I do that can you know could would really float my boat as well so I think that's that's where it really set for me Brian to be fair
1: hmm. and you mentioned there like going out and amateur and whatever what are your thoughts now say a professional so when I think of, like levels I've played at and even thinking back when we were playing 20s living in Galway like we used to go out a bit or whatever and like it does tighten the group like you say like you but well, uh, what's what's your thoughts on the balances with that or like today
0: at, at the top level uh, yeah it is very much balance um and i think professional rugby is about balance i mean coaching professional rugby at the moment is about balance in your life and it's a balance between uh you know making time sure there's time for the kids time for siobhan you know there's time for myself that i can get away and go for a run or um and just enough time invested into the team that we we know we, we can get the best performance out of ourselves. But it's knowing when is enough enough. But it's the same as a player. I think, um, you know, the, the tightest teams are the teams with the with with the closest space between them off the field so that's where you know cohesion is at its highest level so the only way you can build cohesion is 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 really enjoying each other's company uh, working hard together off the field working hard together on the field but everyone is is on the same level but there's a there's an element as well where you enjoy each other's company you enjoy being around each other and um you know the the, the teams that allow time to build that cohesion of the teams that will find that they're tightest and that, you know, people enjoy coming into work. They enjoy training. They enjoy working hard because um, there's balance, you know, it's, and it's the hard work is is also rewarded with, you no, know, you've worked hard, but you can also enjoy yourself as well. And as long as results aren't being compromised, um, you know, it, it's it's something that should be encouraged to the level where it's, it's a positive for the group. But once it goes beyond that and it gets, you know, exploited or it goes too far, then you know, okay, this is going against the cohesiveness of the team now. Um, so so there's there's a very much a fine line there between encourage it. I mean, for example, like Saracens for years have always um they've done their little kind of lads trip mid season and and after a game on Saturday, it's okay, for, for the next two days or three days, we'll go skiing or we'll go to the sun or we'll go wherever it is but it's all about them and and again enjoying each other's company but like the only rule with that is that the next game that they play after those trips is they have to win it and then they you know and keep it going so you know so that there's a balance there where as know we can enjoy each other's company but it's all about this is about building for performance on the field this is not just just to have fun this is this is there's a purpose to it as well okay enjoy each other's company but at the end of the day it's about performance yeah for sure and
1: there's a big trust thing there like you say like coaches like give you the the,
0: the space to do that but then it's yeah that you turn around and you have to front up 100 percent. you know and it, it can be the hardest thing for for coaches to do that is to you know step back and allow allow the allow fun in environment because even in professional sport you know I, I even remember going into one of the Irish camps uh, shortly after Andy Farrell had taken over. And one of the things that was so apparent was it was how relaxed it was. Um, there was fun. There was crack. You know, there were there was jokes. There was a little bit of, you know, pulling the piss out of each other. And uh, and then one of the players opened and said, look, at, this is the social event for tonight. And this was in the middle of the reviews, you know, that there were also... Not only did they review the game and the performance on the field, but they were looking after the environment and the culture off the field, and making sure that it was a place that people enjoyed being around and 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 felt comfortable, felt that, you know you could be yourself. Um, and it's so important if if the more comfortable you're off the field and you're if you enjoy going to work, you'll enjoy working hard. You know, I think it was, um, you know, I heard before if you can change the way you think about a place, it changes how you feel about it. So you you've got a choice. You know, when you when you go to work, you can either go, this is shit, or, it's too tough, or you can go, no, this is this is a place where I can be better. This is a place where I can be a better version of myself. And if the culture is right there and the environment is right, where it's fun, but it also is hard working, you feel okay. I'm making progress here. We, you want to contribute to that. You want to be a part of that. Uh, and when you feel you're contributing to it, like it, it's a powerful thing. But you you want to work hard for it as well. You want to make sure you you're you're getting better. So it's very hard though for coaches to to understand as well that look fun is and to build a culture and to build that psychological safety, so to speak. It's you know, sometimes you need to relax on the, you know, on on the bollock and relax on, on some of the detail. Just you know, there's a time and a place. And so there's a balance to everything. If you get the balance right, you get the cohesion right. If you get the cohesion right, I think that it, it does definitely create a for a better performance
1: yeah for sure you mentioned Andy Farrell but like looking back eight ten years before that, that's how exactly how I felt when we were playing under you and it was always fun and it was it, I was always so excited and I think we all were so is that something that you were aware of as I said ten years before that and that's the first time I saw it, but even earlier
0: um oh thanks for that first of all brian um again i i wouldn't be consciously aware that that's um the environment that i created or that's how you felt in the environment uh i'd hope that you know as a coach i think the most important thing to me is authenticity if i'm if i'm not a good person if i, if I wanted to be like a, a coach who's boot bite and bollock around you i think be a coach who's boot bite and bollock and there is a shelf life on those coaches as well. They get short-term success. Um, they can go into a place where has maybe been underperforming or things are a bit too relaxed. And you know, with a bit of boot bite and bollock you can get a bit of short-term reaction to that. And um, but I, I don't think that's sustainable in any environment for for any long period of time if you want players to be relaxed and and to get the best out of themselves. So for, for me, Brian, no, I think it kind of rubbed my philosophies on coaching maybe and 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 how to create an environment maybe came from what I went through myself is that you know that one of the some of the best times I had were them early days um you know with Warren Gatland and, and that group of players that there was a really good balance to you know work hard and and probably a little bit too much swayed on sometimes on the play hard but it was always a really good environment we felt we were so tight what we were invincible that year even against some real heavyweights in in european rugby there was teams there northampton come to mind that were they were loaded with international players and you know we were able to beat them back to back in games and we were you know just a group of lads who were thrown together and but we were so tight that that year we felt invincible but that all wasn't really about what we did on the field as much as how tight we were off the field and i always felt like that's the kind of environment that I enjoyed as a player I, I I felt that I was contributing to it I felt valued in that and you know and as a coach now I feel like that's you know I said in that balance that, that's that's me that's what I enjoy I enjoy a little bit of fun as well so I enjoy you know having a bit of crack with it with you know my peers and, and and players as well so um if if that's what I think is important it's you know it's just what I live it it doesn't I don't go in and consciously think, okay, I need to have some fun today. You know, I just—it's the way it is. I think with me, but there was always a time and a place. I hope, Brian. I mean, we we worked hard too. I mean, I know there was fun, but I think there was—you know—I think we got the work done too. You know, and I think that uh, was that 2011, that twenties year. I mean, that was a, that was a special group of players too. Again, who who found the balance, and again, it was a really tight, cohesive group of players. So um, you could feel it. You could feel it with those that it was there was something special
1: there too oh yeah 100% like we worked probably harder as hard as I've ever worked you know I remember the conditioning sessions in the heat and it's like you're ready you're about to collapse at the end and like doing contact Tuesday Thursday Thursday evening and putting on the suits and no 100% but I think it's when yeah like you mentioned psychological safety earlier but just you know that the coaches have your best interests at heart you know it's not all kind of push it's not all pushing and there's going to be fun in there and and you want to be there and yeah
0: it's that's part of it too but um no for sure yeah look it's not it's not it's not the easy thing but I was only talking to Antoine who was your S&C coach I was only talked to him two weeks ago and we we're saying oh my god I mean some of the stuff that he used to put you guys through yeah. I mean he was doing his MMA stuff as well but some of that wrestling and pushing tires and some of them conditioning sessions I mean there's you worked probably twice as hard as probably a lot of the professional teams what they do now in some ways it's you know again that's where things have maybe involved and it's all on minutes and stuff like that but he beasted you boys too it was unbelievable you worked so hard but again because the environment was right and you were all in it together and you were all having fun in the evening as well um you know when you were back to the the, your apartments and you you enjoyed working hard because it was a bit of payback at the evening. You enjoyed, you enjoyed your company, but we we're talking about how, how bloody tough the, the training was, even compared to, you know, some of the the, the rugby programs that are on now, you know, they've, they've certainly pulled it back a lot. Yeah, 100%. And it's funny, yeah, you mentioned like minutes and GPS
1: and all that. Like I'm involved with teams I work with now with, with that side of things and talking to SMC coaches and monitoring all this stuff. But like, yeah, I remember... Like, yeah, all that wrestling. I remember like doing lunges and hill sprints for like 40 minutes. And we used to obviously be there Sunday evening to Friday afternoon and then go home. And we do like a heavy leg session on the Friday. And then maybe like, you know, a heavy load on the Friday. Every weekend, I would just lie on the couch, couldn't move. And then you just, you just. (laughs) Now, if I knew better, I'd stretch. Like I didn't, I didn't know about stretching back then or recovery. But it was literally just get on the bus, get back to Finland, just sit there on the couch, and just eat food and watch TV because I couldn't move. And then you go again on, (laughs) go get back Sunday evening, meet the lads, go again Monday. But like here we go,
0: and and no one complained, and no, couldn't, nobody knew any different, and and uh, that's just what everyone enjoyed it. Everyone enjoyed that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, loved it. And what, um, how did you find start now coaching? So like, say, you know, you're playing and it was still early, early days and you were the first
0: academy manager, weren't you? Yeah. So look, I think there was a national academy in, in, in the RFU. And then again, I'd done maybe two years as a rugby development officer. And then it was the time, again, it was all part of this Irish rugby in the professional era that, you know, the try and expand the player base so to do that they needed more players that were getting exposed to kind of professional environment so instead of having one national academy they they regionalized it so they set up four uh, academies or one in each of the provinces and so I was fortunate and maybe it was I was already working through that program it just wasn't called the, uh, the kind of the academy at the time it was a different name on it but it just put a lot more kind of structure on it and um but uh that, that's you know so that's uh, the reason i stayed at that for 13 years is is just the most rewarding uh work that you can do in coaching is that when you you know when you can identify talent if you wish um potential it's not necessarily talent but when you can identify potential at a young age you know even 14 or 15 year old you see i'm not sure what it is but that that kid has something special about them and then you see that kid move through the various levels and then you know gets bad out at the top hopefully sometimes it's it's into into the professional environment sometimes it's into you know back into club rugby but when you see their journey it's uh it's really rewarding to see this you know and, and it doesn't always work out it doesn't work out for every player but that's been the, the the most eye-opening, you know, part of my sort of coaching career so far is and and, and the bit the bit this most rewarding. Yeah, I mean, when you're with a professional team, when you when you win, it's you know, it's good, but it's on Mondays, you know, you win on Saturday and next Monday you move on, you're on to the next game. So you know, you win, you lose the following week, the following Monday, you're on to the next game again. You win, you lose some. But when a player that, you know, you've maybe not necessarily identify, but you've been part of a, a player's journey as a 16, 17, 18 year old. And then to see that player wearing the, you know, their their national colours is um, you know, you, you feel like a proud dad. You feel like, you know, well, I've been a part of that. It's not because of me, but I've I've just been a part of that. I mean, coaches never you know, they'll never be the only reason for a player. A player will be successful because the player wants to be successful. The coach is there to, as a catalyst, you know, and I think the right coach can, can you know, steer players in the right direction and will always have the player's best interest at heart. And that's what I've always felt that I've tried to I tried to have for players. Um, But that's so rewarding when you get, you know, and, and when players at 15, 16, yeah, they might have dreams, but they don't know where it's going and try and be able to steer them in a certain way and kind of you know tag on like there was always like a you know a ring of services of be it you know physical development or nutrition advice or um, even personal development so you know working with um, you know the well-being of the players um, skill development but when you can put a whole package together around a player and see that player thrive in that environment and then to to where the, the you know the, the national colors is it's, it's a special moment that is hundred percent
1: and you kind of mentioned there was can you put words in like what you would look for or in a player like a young player that you think oh, they they might
0: have something um it's not that it's yeah it's not a simple process I mean like unfortunately um like in, in most sports um like talent identification is circumstantial because of you know the, the year or the or the month or where you're born in that year you're given a better advantage and i know if you're into yeah if you ever read the, read the book um uh, bounce I was it outliers or bounce but um it's one of them um will um what's his name it's malcolm a, gladwell Malcolm gladwell's books but it's fascinating um, and it, it's unfair you know it, it's an unfair world you know uh, in, in many ways sport is unfair and it does give the advantage to players who are maybe a little bit um, more physically advanced so I, I know that because I was born on the 27th of December so according to Malcolm Gladwell's theory of that is it 40 30 20 10 so 40 percent of players come out of the first uh, quarter of the year, the next 30% come out of the next quarter, so that would be if, if January was the, the start date so January, February, March, you get 40% uh, April, May, June, you get 30% the next three months, you were 20% and 10% in the last month, so being born on the 27th of December, I was always up against, I was in that 10% success uh, category if you wish, so I think as I was growing up, I always had this bit of a a chip on my shoulder I was always, always had to compete against kind of bigger players or slightly older players so I suppose it was a slight disadvantage there it does when you have those disadvantages you do develop a little chip on your shoulder as well I, I, you know you know and you get a fight or flight mentality you can either you know go for it and and and, and fight it or you can go look okay, it's too hard and it ain't, ain't going to work so I think to identify a player who's who's born in in you know, in, in that latter part of the year, it doesn't mean that they need to have something special. Um, I mean, we always, you know, if you were to only split it across two categories, talent and character, for example, like the talent of the things everyone sees, it's, you know, the skills, you know, the speed, it's the agility, it's all the physical characteristics, the skill characteristics, but it, the personal, the character stuff. So when you can see drive and determination in a player, when you can see yeah they don't have the physical maybe characteristics to be the best in that position but when you can see down the road you know maybe you know someone i mean the great thing about rugby it's that it's a sport for everybody you can be tall you could succeed you can be fast you can be you know a little bit heavy or big and and there's a there's a position there for you um but if you can foresee maybe that player could succeed in a different position to be able to identify that and and um, encourage a player to to do to change position you know is um can be a difficult thing sometimes but it if they want to succeed i've seen it numerous times that it's it's where even Calen Blade for example he played you know one of our peers you know, growing up I mean he, he played center whenever but trying to convince him to play uh, scrum half, but he couldn't pass. So, again, trying to resource him to be able to pass like a scrum half, you know. And he's played Ireland A last week. He, you know, he's a couple of caps for Ireland now. So, um, he, he's just one of those little successors. Dave Heffernan, you know, a guy from your own hometown again, he was playing back row and getting to convince Heff to, you know, he'd, he'd have a better, more, a, a more. Uh, greater chance success as a hooker and again he just worked so bloody hard on his throwing and his scrum work and again it's everything is down to him that's his his character to fight for it and once he understands what's needed like he's got the drive and the determination, you know and the desire to really go after that so you know to identify those things can be hard but you can see those you can see those characteristics of players who really want to fight for it no matter what age they are a hundred percent
1: and it's interesting with the dates and club rugby I remember was July 1st I was June 28th so like same thing but yeah. I remember when I was like 12 or 13 I used to complain I used to be like oh well I should be playing down and Jack Carty it was like August he was my friend he was playing the one below and just carving it not that I would have carved it but anyway I was like I want to play at that <laughs> level and the, the one below and I remember I don't know it was a one of my parents, I think it was my mom even, saying like, oh, someone told me that it will be better for you in the long run, Brian, just work, you know, work. And I, I kind of yeah. changed the victim mentality to be like, right, I'm going to go after it. This is like 12, you know. Yeah. And I think it's just so important, like, you know, as players, player, anyone, just, you know, like, look, that victim mentality just kills you if you're just looking for all the reasons, it, you know.
0: Yeah, like a, Bill Besik, he's one of the, we had him into kind of a couple of years ago. And again, just fascinating mind on, on on psychology but on the mindset and i mean everything is a choice so if, if you know every situation you come up and you've got a choice you can either go well i'm the victim here or i can fight this so you know and and you know if you can just change how you think about it it, it changes how you feel about it and if you change it if you change how you feel just you get energy from that so and it's the energy then that drives the performance and that that drives the determination and everything else you need for success so again it, that's a choice you know you can say this is too hard it's the same in a you know in a, in a really tough conditioning sessions this is too hard or you can go this is going to make me better once i get through this so it depends on how you you know you look at it, it depends how you, you can talk to yourself you can talk yourself into it or you can talk yourself out of it you know either way you know, you know it's it, it, you it's a choice
1: yeah that's something i'm learning a lot in the last year or two about um how you feel about things and you can, like you say, you can determine it like the way you think. And, you know, often players, you know, you'll, you'll think like, all right, I'm going to get after this condition session. I'm going to go for it or whatever. But, um, you know, if you're not feeling something, you can like flip that. You don't have mm-hmm. to just go, just not feel it. You can, you can change, change your that. thoughts, change your thoughts, mm-hmm. which, and change how you feel. And it's like, interesting, I was chatting with someone recently, but, um, you know, if you're in a team that's losing a lot, you can look at external circumstance be like oh we lost we lost and think then we're not going to win next week and you'll feel you know you'll be like oh I don't know and you feel that way but you can choose how to think you know your thoughts and you can choose how to feel and that belief then it doesn't matter what's happening outside you right. can determine it
0: absolutely and I mean I think even at the moment we're we're our, our performance with with Glasgow Warriors I mean we've got this unbelievable home record and our performance at home is you know we've so far in the season we've scored 24 tries you know in three games home and three away we've scored 20 of those at home and four on the road and again it's all mindset it's all it's not that it's a choice to score them but it you choose how you think about when you play away so we we got to bring this you know this um, home form performance on the road and we got to it's all mindset though it's all about how you think about it and you know if we can feel differently about it and it'll only take one it takes you know one game and you crack that nut um and then it, it doesn't matter where you play you know and at the moment it's just this little bit of a, a baggage that's hanging around there but it's all mindset the whole thing is mindset it's just about changing how we think about it yeah and that's a challenge isn't it it's a massive challenge yeah but I mean that's you know it's it that's sport as well I mean you know and you go to uh like most home teams I mean they they talk about their their fortress you know or their their patch or their castle and they're so proud of it because you know it's, it, it it it's uh, it is tough it can be tough to you know to win on the road if you allow the opposition um you know the home support, and you know you think your referee calls go against you, and things are different or a little bit more uncomfortable. You just got to change your change how you think about it, and and you can block all that stuff out and just play, focus on yourself and play your own game. Don't be worried about all the other things that could happen uh, or do happen. You just go back to your own process and um and you know and 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 just think positive. Think what's the next, what's the next one? What would we do at home here? So, and how have you found Glasgow in general when you moved moved from Connacht there? What, Great. I mean, ago? I had you know between you know my sham amateur years and the few couple of years of pro and the academy and, and the professional team there, it was twenty six years with with Connacht Rugby all in and um, and obviously it's, it's a special place. And the reason I stayed there because I just loved it. I loved the bits, love the people. I loved the the mindset there. I think I love the the chip on the shoulder. Um, I mean, it's never been spoiled for resources, but you know, I, they've always maximized what they've had and never let resources or the weather be the the crutch that that's held them back. So I said, I love that. So it was tough to leave. Um, but for me, I mean, if I want to continue to to grow as a coach, and I've a lot of growth, you know, still in me. Mean, I the only way you grow is to be challenged and to step outside that that comfort of familiarity so that it's you know galway was familiar to me all the people there were familiar i mean and, and with that there's comfort so when you change i mean rugby is rugby you're doing the same thing it's the same game in vancouver or christchurch or glasgow or dublin it's the game is the same you know the people are they're involved in rugby they're, they're similar you know but when you change your environment because it's different it can be a bit more challenging and 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 where where there's challenge there's growth so for me i'm i'm learning a lot as well about myself and the people there and how to work with different people and I've had you know perspective of a couple of different coaches now as well so that's it's all learning it's all it's all part of of the growth process. So um and again when you when you get a new perspective on um, on the game and how co- how to coach and how to get the you know the best out of players that you know you there's always shiny bits there's constantly there's new shiny bits out there and if you're open minded enough to you know to grab one or two of them and you know make them your own then how how would you you know you don't have to copy and paste and but you go well, look and I like how that was done I would use that this way but you know you still got to be yourself you still have to be yourself but I said so there's many ways to skin a cat.
1: Yeah for sure I love that like yeah when you see different things and you you pick up from different styles different coaches players teams but um yeah have put your own spin on it I think a mistake I remember when I started now the very start of coaching, and like you try and kind of copy what you've seen mm. or done, but it, it's not yours. And then
0: Man.
1: yeah, it has to be yours because then when you know people ask you questions, like I, you want people to ask questions. That's something I remember you and other good coach I had. Like you ask questions and they'll they'll answer. Whereas I think sometimes coaches, if you ask questions, they're like, "Oh, shut up and get on with
0: it," because they're they maybe just <laughs> took took it from somewhere, and it's like. They don't, no, know, no. They, don't, they don't know the background to it because it's, it's not necessarily their own and yeah, it's um, yeah, I mean even like with the Ireland team at the moment, I mean people say Ireland's attack is so good and it is so so good but why doesn't everybody do it then because those teams that are trying to, because it's their own, it's taken a couple of years to develop and people think oh, it doesn't work for us, you know, or it doesn't work for this team. So um, look, like it's important to, to understand as well and you know, why, if you can answer the question, why would you do it this way is the most important question to ask, answer, or to be able to answer is why, why would you do it that way? Because players are going to ask you, players are going to say, why, you know, I think we should, we could do this or we do this and then go, well, why? And if you need to understand their perspective, and I think that's what coaching is, is trying to get coaches and players and to see the same thing through the same lens. And then you can, you're you're, you know, you you can understand the same why. Hundred percent. Why do you think it is that Ireland's attack is is going so well, or what are some key things? Yeah, because they're all on the same page. I mean, it's I, I I do think look Johnny Sexton has a lot to do with it, and I think it's it's slightly different when he's in there compared to the rest. But um, they just found a style that that works for them and works with their skill set, and um, you know, it's um it's a model, but even you know it's it, it's taken. Like it's still quite loose. It's still a framework. You know, you talk to any of them, I mean, it, it's very player driven. It's it's just a framework that's set up in a way that players have to work hard to get into positions, they have to identify their roles quickly. And then it's about just mixing up their attack based on not even on obvious pitchers, but just changing the point of attack really quickly. And because they're so tight, the ball's not in the air so long and their skill set now has been developed over the last couple of years that they're quite comfortable on the ball, and so like forwards are passing the ball a lot more than instead of, you know, running into brick walls. So they've less collisions means they're fresher to move quicker. So that, you know, it's not as physical as or physically attritional uh, as when you're just constantly carrying the ball, they're moving the point of contact really quickly. So it, it's one that, that works very well for them. But I, I do think Johnny Sexton is a massive, A massive cog in that wheel as well and he really does make a tick you know and he demands that players are working hard off the ball to be in the right position so that he can mix up his attack
1: Mm. and you mentioned their learnings and new environments what's a
0: learning you've had in Glasgow just um, I mean one is to, to back yourself first of all because you come in and you know you assume that uh, just because I've done it in a certain way, you know, uh, like to be open enough to try other things, like so, I play around with our attack there, and again asking questions, bounce ideas off some of the senior players there and the guys who were really keen on on the attack side of the game, and so what do you think about we try this or try this, and 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 to be relaxed enough as well, you know, to to let go and 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 to give more ownership to the players and and ask them you know, for, for more feedback into it to feed back in and and, and to contribute, you know, to, to their team and to the attack and to, to you know to come up with other ideas and to be relaxed enough to be able to go, yeah, and that's a pretty good idea. Let's let's develop that and roll with it. And um but also I think is you know is is being comfortable that what I what I why I'm here as well is that it's um you know, there's a lot of good things about what I can do with them as well. There's a different perspective, um, and just believe it in myself as well. You know, and and that um, just because you go on the road and you you step out of that other environment which was comfortable to you, that you know you, you can still be yourself. You can still, you know, roll things out the way you like. Thing you don't have to become somebody different just because you move to a different place. I think the important thing is always be yourself. So um, I think that's most, the most important thing. Yeah, for sure. And
1: would you get? I think it happens to everyone, but like imposter syndrome, a bit at time,
0: like throughout the years, or um, not yet. No, I, I, I do think I'm relaxed enough to ask enough questions. But you know, there's there's people around me there. I try and build relationships with the, the other coaches, with the players. So, um, and Glasgow is a place where it's there's so many different nationalities there anyway there's you know south africans and argentinians and kiwis and australians and english and a few irish people around there and it's a multinational place as well so um i'm comfortable enough that i work hard off the field you know on those relationships as well to you know to contribute to that environment that i don't feel like i'm an outsider no i I feel like i'm contributing to the environment as well and i think that's very important and you know I, i feel at home there and um you know it's it's a good place so we try and create you know that that environment which is enjoyable as well and have a bit of fun and um yeah so it's a good place to be good
1: stuff and something i remember when i went to america first and there's in the university was i say like kiwis aussies africans and i was like player coach i remember like explaining something and they were like bamboozled like why would you do it that way and i was like what like why what do you mean and just viewing the game very differently and like i learned a lot you know like even growing up in ireland because it's it mostly was just most just irish people i'd be around and I, yeah i learned so much from the other to other nationalities
0: yeah because like the game is the same but it, you know the you know how you train it you know how you look at it. I mean, when you look at it on the TV, you say, "Look, the game is the same." But I mean, their view of the game is it's so different. Um, it, it makes it really interesting, and it makes you, you know, look at your own philosophy of of how you coach it as well. I mean, some guys are very, very detailed and look at the, you know, the micro the microscopic view of. A tackle or a pass or something like this. Whereas another coach would just look at a helicopter view. Either way, you're right, and it depends on your perspective. And I think the good coaches have the ability to do both. You know, to be able to maintain that helicopter view, but actually zoom in when you need to zoom in. But I think always keeping that holistic, uh, bigger picture um, view of the game is 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 that's the lens that I try and take. Is that the higher view? um and then having the ability just to zoom in on some of the detail you know of things of why it works or why it doesn't work and having the ability then to to try and fix the little bit and then kind of zoom back out again that's that's sort of my my view on the game but you know bouncing around ideas of players and other coaches I mean you you get to see other lenses side lens and I you know it's it's um yeah that's it makes it more it makes it really interesting
1: for sure 100%, 100% what's been your biggest challenge
0: in your coaching career um biggest challenge um i i definitely i struggle to let go of the losses so when we lose and it's inevitable that every team loses from time to time i'm not good at letting that go it, it takes me a couple of days to let it go um and i i wear it a bit too much you know both emotionally and and physically so some people can say like i you know you can see it in me that it hurts when we lose but i it's only when i dissect it down then and i look at okay why did we lose you know is it was it effort or was it you know, a technical thing or a physical thing, you know, an emotional thing that we didn't get the, you know, we didn't set the players up in, in the best way or was it, you know, one of those days. I think it's only after you've gone through that process then and, you know, we've we've ironed it out with the players and discussed it and got their feedback as well. Then you can go, okay, now it's, we'll put that to bed. Okay, now we know we can be better in that area, be whatever it is. So I think that's probably been the biggest challenge is, is not wearing losses as 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 much if i you know and as i do um, but look it's because i care as well i mean if i didn't care i wouldn't be as bothered but i think when you invest so much into the preparation like you want a 10 out of 10 performance and it's it's not that you you don't it's not that you expect a 10 out of 10 performance but it's when it dropped below your expectations and it's finding out why did you did we let the players down or do the players not you know come to the same level as what they expected? So it's um, yeah, it's always a kind of tough one for me, yeah, do you
1: ever kind of I'm not saying, like blame the players or like how do you determine that's so like something I've kind of real or decided is that it's always because. The it always sits to me as a coach. Like if we if we underperform, it's because of me. Like say I'm coaching an attack. If if we are dropping pass all over the place because of me, and I always think, what could I have done differently? Um, is there ever a time then when you know and sometimes as a player I've been there when there's the player, it's the player's fault. But then as a coach, I don't want to be like thinking, oh, it's the player's fault. You know, I always kind of think it's my fault. But um, I don't know what if you get what I'm saying. Like, is there ever a time when yeah. you're like,
0: yeah, it's um. For the last couple of years i i have a tendency to protect the players a bit more in in a review um so i would talk about going back to training and and usually when we're preparing for games and you know i i as we get close to the game we just highlight and reinforce some of the best practice and this is this is the things that you know if we can produce this in the game it'll give us it'll give us the results um So I think that could be more for me to say, okay, well, have we covered this in training? Like, is is our training, have I set players up in appropriate challenges in training where they can problem solve on the field, be it, you know, a high edge on defense, or blitz defense, or someone spooks them, you know, they shoot out of the lineup. Have we set themselves Have we as coaches set the players up to be able to problem solve in training so that when, um, you know, little challenges arise in games that they have the capacity and the experience and some of the learnings to be able to adapt their game, you know, to figure things out so they can they can go, well, oh, this is not new to me. I'm a player shooting now that I know what I can do. I can hold my feet or I can work my feet a little bit before them and pass the ball a bit here or whatever, the, you know, the, the option may be. But um, you always ask yourself, okay, have I set them up? So, like, if your trainings are always the same, and you always do, you know, things you like. If it's always like too much detail or, or too big, they won't have the tools to be able to, again, to, to problem solve the small things or to see the game in a bigger in a bigger lens. So, that's where I start. But it's, I wore too much of it as well. You know, players have asked as well that, you know, they've asked to be called out a bit more or asked, you know, they want to be able to call out their teammates more, but so i said we we got to set them up in training where they have the the license and the capabilities again just to to challenge each other in training to raise the standard you no know, not waiting for a review and a coach stand up going look at, that wasn't good enough they know it wasn't good enough and it, it's the most powerful environments when when peers challenge peers it's not coaches challenge players they already know and and Players are demanding more from their fellow players rather than the coaches demanding more from the players. Because the coach will always demand, you know, a ten out of ten from the player and try and set them up as much, um, you know. And and I suppose the coach will always look at the opportunities. You know, again in any review, you can you know, you can look at things in a negative way or you can look at things how close it was to success. Either way, it's the same picture. It's it's how you dress it up. You know, you can dress it up as a negative that you didn't do this, or if you did this you know you get success instead of going you could, you did this as a result it didn't work so again it's 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 just language it's it's a choice to use either positive language or negative language and and again sometimes there's a balance I had a review on monday of our last game which we won 37-0 and it was tough it was a tough review it was tough on the players i was tough on the players and i was tough on some detail because while we won and we won well, and we played quite well, there was there was a lot of sloppiness and guys cut corners and um, things that I I wasn't necessarily didn't sit well with me. And and leading into this next block of games that you know against you know um, you know as as we get into the business end of the season season later on, some of that stuff won't cut it if we continue to let you know bad habits develop over the course of the season we we won't be there at the end of the season we won't be in the in the shout when it comes to the playoffs because I'll have let it go so I have to find the balance of when is the proper time to intervene and then go look at that wasn't that's not good enough and you know the rest of the players need to know where I stand on that so it was a little bit tough huh? you know our review Monday even though we won and some of our attack was really really good and we scored five tries but um again some of the detail I just Honed in on, and and I said I was tough on some of the lads. And I gave them the heads up beforehand and said, Look, this is not about you. I'm not, this is about everybody. This is people are going to learn that your detail or knowing your role in certain aspects of play are important. And that if without that detail, you know, it's, we, we won't be successful. We won't be able to score more tries, you know, so there's an understanding there. So, um, but sometimes it's tough, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the way every week. Yeah. It's something
1: that I've actually just very, very recently, um, ran into a bit in the, we were like winning, winning all around us, every game, big scores. And then we lost in a kind of national quarterfinal and, uh, I, I'm an assistant coach attack coach, but the players said that that they wanted the coaches to be harder on them and to be calling them out more. And I find it challenging. Like I've just stopped playing and been coach for a while, but um, as a player, I it's so easy just call everyone out because you can go in front up as a player, and then it's easy to call them out. But it's something I find a little bit challenging. Uh, just learning as a coach is like I find it very difficult to call people out so much. I know that I would do it, but they don't know that I would do it. So it's like, you know, they can be like, well, it's easy for you standing over there, you know. Yeah. So I don't
0: know. It, it's challenging. Um, yeah, it is challenging, especially if it's not you, if it's not in your nature to, you know, be hard. I mean, I mean it's not about lambasting or trying to belittle a player. And I said, uh, you know, and that's why I always speak to the players before. And I said, look, at you. there's a clip here with you doing this just to understand I want to get learning in the group. And they go, no, 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 please, you need to show it, show it. Yeah, yeah, show it, you know, and, and um, you yeah, know, they're okay with that. But it's not about humiliation. And I would I'd never humiliate a player. But if if the group can get some learning on the back of it, maybe some harsh words sometimes, you know, it depends on which, which buttons you think are the right buttons to press. No, that's unreal. That's coaching, that's coaching.
1: That's unreal. I love that the um just chatting to a player beforehand. I never thought of that. And uh like to give them a heads up that that there's gonna be something,
0: you know, to that, that feature. So you're well. gonna feature yeah. you're gonna feature in these clips, and it mightn't be the most favorable. And they go, look at do you understand where it was? Oh yeah, and they go hundred percent, hundred percent. Or or if they don't, if they're not aware, um, you know, then it's it's for further intervention. But the players are pretty smart, they they know when they've do something well and they know when they don't do something well I think if it catches them by surprise particularly at a professional level I think they're 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 trying to kid you yeah I remember know
1: you said I remember um when we we're 20s we were doing a review and it, you, you might remember but uh you you said look at this player and the player just walked like in a game just walked like it did something just walked walked for like 20 seconds. And I remember just being like, "Oh God, like I can never do that." Like, like it was watching. so, it was so black and white. No, but it was so black and white. And like you pointed it out, and it was like, like my awareness hadn't been brought to that before. Did you get me? Like, you know, mm-hmm. as a nineteen-year-old, yeah. and then it was such a powerful learning for, like, you know, it was it was harsh, you know, on that player. But the player did walk like just for twenty seconds on the field, mm-hmm. and then, but like, I learned from then on, like, never, like, yeah, like, like I say, big pros watching, but like, you have to. You know, they talk about involvements then and these different things, like it was such a powerful learning
0: for me, but it was it was di- probably difficult in that moment, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is some like but that's where most of the learnings will be, you know, if you want to improve, and you know, and, and these are the fine margins of of sport as well. And you're always up for things to be done as best as they can be, and if you accept this is and this is the point where I, where i let it land the other day if if i if i don't point it out i'm saying it's okay it's okay not to get your detail right or if if you walk for 20 seconds by not saying anything i'm saying it's okay for you to walk for 20 seconds and as a result of walking for 20 seconds then you're not in a position then to carry your clean on the next phase and then we turn the ball over and i'm saying that's okay because you're just doing your own thing But as someone who looks after the team and, you know, if if you don't highlight that in a way that everyone can learn, then you're doing the team a disservice. So this is where the fine margins come in. If it's, if the team can learn from it and the players is cool with it, then it's, it's a win. Then it's a learning, you know, it doesn't matter how big or how small it is. The team will be better from the back of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's something like exactly what you're saying there. Quote, um, don't know who it's from, but the standards you walk by are the standards you accept. Like, you know, exactly Correct, what you yeah. say. They're so so
0: important. Correct. Yeah, you're saying it's okay. So the detail doesn't matter. You know, you doing that, it's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Then you know, don't expect, you know, to, to be in the playoffs at the business end of the season because you won't. You won't be because you, you know, unless by sheer luck, but you're just accepting mediocrity. That's what you'll get in return. Mm. I know,
1: just thanks a for your time um with how far do you look into the future say with challenges and different things and um your
0: career uh i haven't looked past tomorrow yet <laughs> you know so i i don't know um you know I'm, I'm i'm happy here and that's what i like doing what i'm doing um where to next i love a coaching the attack i think it's exciting you know the game keeps changing as well where you can keep evolving um the attack so it keeps me on my toes um i really love it um you know i'm assistant coach and and i like that having an aspect as, especially as big as attack i don't think you could be a head coach and be an attack coach i think attack is too big of an area um there's just too much in it you know, to do that and to be a head coach and to do both well. Um I I think that's a really tough thing to do. So if I've aspirations to be a head coach, I'd have to relinquish some of the, you know, the, the excitement and the thrill of, of doing the attack, you know, in favor of the culture and the environment and recruitment and selection and and, and there's a whole other host of things there. But I wouldn't rule it out someday that um a head coach role wouldn't float my boat but at the moment i said it's very much on an the attack and at the moment that's what glasgow warriors excited by how we play and how we try and play and the ambition that's there and the the buy in from the players in terms of that uh, style of rugby and i said it, it excites me it excites them it excites the the fans who watch them you know on a friday night um but yeah, so but outside of that, uh, I I don't know where the 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 path is going to go yet. At the moment, I'll try and do the best job I can while I'm here. And if if doors open, then we'll you know we'll we'll consider them as they if if and when they open. So at the moment I will keep my my two feet on the ground here and do the best job I can. Good stuff. Um have you ever
1: thought about defense as well? It's like it's come in Quite a, like, say Stuart Lancaster does attack and defence with Leinster as a, a senior coach under Leo Cullen, and then I think it's a Pete Wilkins does the same in Connacht, and like it happens quite a bit now, where or more
0: so than it would have in the past. Um, it's happening a bit more. You know Connacht played with that last year, and now they've reverted back this year. Oh, okay. Um, it Stuart is quite a unique coach, I think, having that perspective that he has, and and also having um it's it's a different model and it's a different way of looking at it for me i i don't like defense it's um it's it's a couple of big big kind of rocks big principles and you know you do the two or three or four things really well and copy and paste keep doing that keep doing that keep doing that um yeah, it's a different and you got to bring energy to that role and um you know, so the players are emotionally ready because defence is all about emotion. And it's, you know, yeah, it's about working together. And But it's, uh, if you're not emotionally locked on, I mean, some of the best defensive team of Ireland against uh, South Africa last week, I mean, was one of the most unbelievable defensive performances. But you could see the emotion was there. They cared. They really, they, I mean, it wasn't all about the system. It was... It was about the individual they were they wanted to stop them and emotionally they were they were in the right space to be able to do that. Um for me it's just the intricacies around the attack and trying to manipulate your attack to break down defenses. That that that's the bit that excites me as, a, as opposed to trying to stop somebody like me. <laughs> um, you know, coming up with plays and shapes and things of like that to break to break themes down. I just it's the bit that excites me about the game. Yeah, good
1: stuff. Well, uh, hey, thanks, Mill, for your time. Really enjoyed chatting and catching up.
0: Yeah, you too, Brian. Yeah, I said, uh, good luck with it. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure to be, uh, to be on having the chat. Cheers.
1: Cheers for clicking in today. Hope you enjoyed the chat and picked up a few things. As we chatted about during the pod, I really enjoyed playing under Nige. I am very fortunate to have got the opportunity to do so because... He's an unreal coach, and he helped me so much with my game, and he also selected me as captain of the iconic 20s, which was definitely one of my proudest moments. We went on to win the Interprovincial title, and yeah, had some brilliant days together. Also played under him a bit for the iconic Eagles, which was cool, and yeah, just really enjoyed getting him on the pod and catching up was good. If you'd like to get in touch with me, if you're a player or a coach, interested in the mental side of the game, the mindset side, then the best way to do so is through my website, which is offfieldrugby.com. Also, I share content on Instagram, which is at offfieldrugby, TikTok the same at offfieldrugby. I also want to thank all of you so, so much who are leaving reviews on Amazon for my new book, The Book on How You Become a Pro Rugby Player. I'm genuinely taken aback. I greatly, greatly appreciate, first of all, you getting the book, obviously, and I'm so, so thankful that it is impacting you in the way it is, and yeah, just reading those reviews are so cool. Another thing I have found unreal is the amount of parents reaching out to me ...saying that they're getting it for their son or daughter for Christmas... ...because they understand and appreciate how important... ...mental health is, how important mindset is... ...and the mental side of sport... ...and that's just something that's class because... ...I don't know, I just think as a society even... ...15, 10, 15, 20 years ago we just didn't... ...take that into account... And yeah, just the amount of people now who understand the importance of mindset and preparing mentally as well as physically is brilliant. Rugby and sport is most likely one of the best things that you will do in your life in that it'll give you the highest highs. It's incredible and yeah it just gives you so much but along with that if you play you will know that it can give you the lowest lows as well and that's why mindset and mental skills are so 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 important is because there will be highs there will be lows that's just the way it is the chances are you will pick up injuries along the way and It is very, very, very common for players to become depressed because of things that happen to them in rugby. I will chat about it a bit more at another time, but I have become depressed because of an injury that the rehab didn't go well, and it can be very, very challenging. I didn't have the tools deal with it at that time and essentially something that can be quite small something that can be to other people relatively innocuous can build and become something much bigger and move from just affecting your sport to affecting your life and affecting your mental health and as i said this is not uncommon so so many people players go through things where they get certain setbacks in sport and it starts to affect them throughout their week throughout their life and so that is why I just I think it's so important the mental side and the mindset side of sport and why I think young players need more support with this and yeah that's just why 18 months ago I started my mission to help young players with the mental side of the game and yeah if you have any questions of course my DM's on Instagram are always open you can get in touch through the website offfieldrugby.com and the new book is available now on Amazon please share this podcast with some friends that's a really small thing but really really helps it's a small thing but a massive thing would really appreciate if you did that and thank you so so much for being here as always have a brilliant brilliant rest of your day cheers